0: Hey everyone, Father Anthony here. And if at any point you've been impacted by our ministry at STSA, then listen up because we need your help. We are so close to reaching our goal of raising $2 million, but we need your help to cross the finish line. If each of our 11,000 online subscribers donates just $165, then we can reach our goal. We can't do it alone, but with your help, I know we can get there. Text the number below or click the button to donate now and may the God of heaven bless you and make you prosper and reward you for your generosity. Now enjoy the message. Welcome to the well here at STSA, where we like to say about this place is an ordinary place where extraordinary things happen because people meet God in this place. And I'm telling you that today I have an extraordinary challenge. As I said a minute ago, I am going to make you do something in church that you've never done before. I'm going to make you do something, leave here today and say, today, I went to church and I left and I did something that I never, ever, ever done before. You know what that is? I'm going to make you enjoy a sermon on giving. That's right. You came on the money week where we are talking about the final the final installment in this series on our core values. We're talking about irrational generosity and that says this, read it all together with me. We genuinely believe it is more blessed to give than to receive, and we seek opportunities to express our love to God by sacrificing our time and money. That's right. We're going to talk about money here today. And before you head for the doors, lock the doors, don't let them out. Okay, Lock them. Before you head for the doors, before you tune me out, I wanna tell you right off the bat, I'm not gonna guilt anybody into giving anything. There's not gonna be an extra collection plate that runs around, okay, the church. I've heard some churches talk about giving, send out a collection plate, see what comes back. If they don't like it, they send the plate again, a second round, a third round. Not gonna be any of that. We're not gonna trot some kids from Africa up here to make you feel guilty or anything like that. We're actually not going to talk about money at all. What I wanna talk about, this core value isn't about money, it's about sacrifice. And the two are very different. I say the word sacrifice and you automatically think if you say God and sacrifice, you should automatically go back in time to the Old Testament because what you'll see from page one of the Bible is that God built a very elaborate system in the Old Testament of sacrifice. Actually, the center of God's people, the center of their life together was the temple and the sacrificial system. That's why when they got kicked out of their homeland and they didn't have the temple, that's why everything fell apart because the center of their life with God was being able to go to the temple and offer certain sacrifices, a pigeon on this day, a cow on this day, an ox on this day, grain on this day. Everything centered around this idea of sacrifice. Now you're smart people. You're smart enough to figure out why did God care so much about them offering sacrifices? why we'll discuss details in bible verses in a second but let's just be let's just think right here for a second why did god make such a big deal of you have to offer the lamb in this way and you have to offer the goat here and don't forget to do this and if you do this you're actually kicked out of the family and if you don't do this this is what's going to happen to you did god care about animals like was god like population control like have your spets paid and neutered spayed and neutered or whatever it is is that was that what god was like he said no there's too many pigeons we need to get rid of some of them there's too many goats running wild around here Is that what God was? Did God care about any of those things? Did God need any of those things? No. You're smart enough to know that the animals were not the end goal. They were a means to an end. Because what animals were to them back in the Old Testament, money is to us today. It's simply a currency. They didn't have dollar bills and checking accounts and credit cards and and Venmo back in the day. What they had was animals. So animals were... A means to an end. What God was after was the sacrifice of the heart. And it was manifest in those animals. But he didn't care about those animals. And the same thing is true today. So that's why, like I said, I'm not going to talk about money today. I'm going to talk about generosity. I'm going to talk about giving. And my challenge that I'm challenging myself and I'm challenging you, that you're going to walk out of here today and you're going to say, Father Anthony, we need more sermons on giving. We need to talk about money more in the church. You're gonna walk out of here and say, I wish I, had, I could read more books. Like, I wanna read books about it. I wanna to listen to sermons. I want, I want more series on giving. You're gonna walk out of here and say, I wish, oh man, see, it's, what is today? The 12th of the month. I already gave on the first. Man, I wish I, I can't wait till the 15th so I can give again. That's the way you're gonna leave here today because what we are gonna do is we're not gonna talk about the duty of giving. Usually that's the way it is. Usually when you talk, hear a sermon about giving, it says, you better and if you don't, what's going to happen to you, that's usually the way we talk about. It. But why? Every other area of life, we talk about the positives and the rewards. Like I give a sermon on prayer, and I don't say, this is what's going to happen to you. A mountain's going to fall on your head if you don't pray. I don't say that. I may think that, but I'm not going to say that. But why, when it comes to giving, do we focus on the negative? I don't want to focus on the negative. I want to tell you, if you read the Bible, this is what's going to happen to you. If you pray, this is what you're going to experience in your life. When you fast, these are the benefits. I want to say the same thing with giving. I want to tell you that giving is no different than fasting and praying and reading the Bible and doing all those things, that this is what you're missing out on when you choose not to invest in this area, okay? That's our goal. Is that a crazy goal, that you're going to walk out of here and want to talk more about giving? That's a crazy goal? Is that an irrational goal? That's kind of the point, isn't it? Let's jump in. If you go to the New Testament and you look in the pages of the gospel and the epistles and the book of Acts, and you look in those books, it's clear the subject of giving, even though we don't like to talk about it today, the authors of the New Testament had no problem talking about it. Someone didn't send them the memo that it was taboo to talk about in the church about giving and money. Because, you know, if you look in the New Testament, let me give you some perspective how much they talk about giving. The word believe is in the New Testament. The word believe, okay, faith, obviously, belief is a very important concept in Christianity. The word believe is in the New Testament 272 times. The word pray is in the New Testament 371 times. Believe 271 or 72, uh, pray 371. Those are both important concepts. The word love is in the New Testament 714 times, more than the other two combined. The word give or some derivation of give 2,161. So more than pray, believe, and love combined, the word give. And that says to me one of two things. Either number one, the authors of the New Testament were very greedy and were very money hungry. And they cared so much about money and they wanted, uh, you know, new sandals all the time. That's why they kept talking about money because either they were very greedy or they figured out something that we might be missing. And I'm going to go with option B in case you're wondering. Let's go to the book of Acts chapter two, verse 43 to 45, and let's see what giving looked like in early church. Acts two forty-three. Then fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. I highlighted many wonders and signs. We're going to come back to that. So just file that one away in your mind. Many wonders and signs. Now all who believed were together and had all things in common and sold their possessions and goods and divided them among all as anyone had need. Early church, many signs, many wonders, and they all sold their possessions and goods. Okay, so these two kind of random things. Let's let's see uh, a couple chapters later. Acts chapter 4, verse 32. Now the multitude of those who believed were of one heart and one soul. Neither did anyone say that any of the things he possessed was his own, but they had all things in common. And with great power, the apostles gave witness to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them. Nor was there anyone among them who lacked, for all who were possessors of lands or houses sold them and brought the proceeds of the things that were sold and laid them at the apostles' feet, and they distributed to each as anyone had need. This is not a judging, okay? But this is not what we do today. This is very different than what we do today. Like we always talk about how we are an Orthodox church. We are the apostolic church. We're the same as the early church. And you could say, okay, yeah. In some areas, you can really see that connection. Like the way we worship today is a lot of similarities how the early church worshipped. You could see that the breaking of the bread, the sacraments, the baptism, the Eucharist. Very easy to see that. We're always talking about community around here and the importance of community. We see that very clearly in the early church and we're trying our best and you can see. But when it comes to this area of giving and sacrificing, like come on, these people are doing what? These people are selling houses and lands and bringing the money to the church. Like I'm not judging anyone, but we don't do this. And I'm not telling you to do it. But I'm saying there's a very clear difference between how they lived and we live. Like come on, like we don't sacrifice houses. Like if we, let's be honest, we say this week I'm gonna sacrifice my spice latte and give to the poor, and that's like, oh my goodness, post it on Facebook and Instagram and apply for the Nobel Peace Prize if we did that. And the whole world gonna know that I gave up my spice latte on a Wednesday. Look at these people right here. They're no comparison. We give out of our abundance. They gave out of their poverty. We give out of duty and obligation. They gave joyfully and free will. And that's why I'll say this sentence. We give, but they sacrificed. We give, but they sacrificed. And that's why I think there's another difference between us and the the early church. And I pointed out, I I said it a minute ago, but maybe you you weren't paying attention to it. Another key difference, back to that verse, verse 33, is I see great power... And I see great grace. And the first verse said, many signs and wonders. So now I'm thinking to myself in the same passage where it talked about how they gave so much different than us and they sacrificed so much more than us. It also says they experienced so much more power than us and so much more grace than us. And I'm thinking to myself, like, I ain't the smartest guy, but maybe there's correlation there, maybe they're linked. Maybe the reason why we struggle to experience the grace and the power, and the signs, and the wonders, which we all want. We want the power of God. We want the grace of God. Well, maybe there's a connection to the sacrifice, which none of us want. Power of God, grace of God, give it. Sacrifice, we don't talk about that in church. Maybe there's a connection. Maybe sometimes God is cheap with us because we're cheap with him. Maybe sometimes we are the bottleneck. We are the reason why the power of God is limited because our, our heart of sacrifice is limited. I told you this story before, I had one time someone came to me and asked me a question. They were talking about giving. They said, Father Anthony, do you, am I supposed to give 10% before tax or after tax? Before tax or after tax? So my response is very simple. Do you want God to bless you before tax or after tax? Like it's very simple. Do you want a pre-tax blessing or a post-tax blessing? It's up to you. Like you, you make the decision. Like I don't care about the amount. It's not about the pennies. You see the difference between us and them? Like they said, God, everything I own is yours. So God said to them, okay, everything I own is yours. And we come to him and say, okay, God, pre-tax, post-tax, 10% pennies here. So maybe God, maybe there's a connection during God's work in our life. So today, like I said, we're going to talk about this area of giving. No one's going to pass a collection plate. Like I said, we're not going to dim the lights and and cue the music or anything like that. God doesn't need your money any more than God needed the pigeons and the goats and the cows in the Old Testament. If God wants to snap his fingers and make pigeons and cows and goats and dollar bills come in front, he can do it. This is not, listen very carefully, not about what the church needs. This is about what each one of us needs. This isn't about the church is lacking. This is about what we are lacking and what God wants to pour into our lives through giving. And I can say that very specifically. Some of you may be thinking oh, it's very convenient that we're talking about giving and generosity. We're trying to raise money for the building and we're starting construction. It's very convenient. I've preached the same sermon 100 times before and I'll preach it 100 times again. I got no problem to talk about giving. Same way, I got no problem to talk about fasting. I got no problem to talk about prayer. I, to me, the difference between the, the the principle and the application. So me, I tell you, you need to pray. I'm not gonna follow you to your room and and, and see how much you prayed and how long you prayed. I'm not gonna, I'm not, same thing with giving. I'm gonna tell you, you need to give. I'm not gonna follow you to your room and get your bank statement and say, no, that's not enough or that's too, I don't care about that. That's between you and God. But I tell you, you need to fast, you need to fast. How much is up to you? I tell you, you need to pray, you need to pray. How much up to you? I tell you, you need to give. How much up to you? But the principle, I have no problem to talk about it. Especially in this church, because I know in this church, especially amongst us right here and people who are watching online, in case you didn't know, we have the most generous people in this church right here. And that's why if, I, if, I, if it was just the people in this room right here I'm talking to, we have the most generous people here, people watching online, wherever it may be. And I have no doubt that that will never stop. But this is about what each one of us needs, not about what the church needs. And what we need is to revive a biblical view of giving. And let me show you one verse from the Old Testament, Exodus 34, verse 20, which will set the tone for our discussion today. Exodus 34:20 says, none shall appear before me empty-handed. When God was commanding Moses, telling him, tell the people about the sacrificial system. And like I said, the burnt offering and then the the grain offering and then the peace offering. And he said, all these offerings, explain to them the overarching principle, none shall appear before me empty handed. This is the view of giving that we need. We need to stop looking at giving as it's like a tax that we just have to pay Stop looking at giving as if it's like we're bribing God, like, okay, God, I really need help at work. So here's an extra little check in the donation box. Now I'll be waiting for the 15th of the month to get my paycheck and see how. We need to get rid of that. Get rid of this idea that we're trying to coerce God with our giving. Giving is not a bribe, it's not a tax, it's not a tip. Oh, I like the service today, uh, Father. The service was great. A little extra in the donation box for you. Oh, come on, man. It's not like a tip that you're giving to the priest or giving to the... And if you do, at least the waiter gets 15%. Like we only get 10% around here. So come on. What we need to view is giving as an act of worship. Giving is an act of worship. When you pray, you don't pray for my sake. When you fast, you don't fast for my sake. You do those because that's how you worship God. Same when it comes to giving. You've heard the expression, you can give without loving, but you can't love without giving. You've heard that before, right? You can give without loving, but you can't love without giving. And I thought about this, and I'll make this very practical for you. Think about the people that you love most in life. I'll bet if you're like me, they cost you the most. Like dollars and cents. I'm not saying in a bad way, but I'm saying the people that I spend the most money on are the people that I love the most. And that's just a fact of life. But it would be really hard for me to convince you. No, I really love my wife and I love her so much. She's the most important. And, what, and I never spend a nickel on her and I don't spend any money. Or my kids. Let's not say wife. Let's say kids, okay? Let's say my kids and I don't spend any money on their clothes. I don't spend any money on their food. I don't spend any money on their entertainment. Well, it's hard to say that they're really important to me if they don't appear in my budget in any way. Well, I think the same comes with everything in life. You spend money on what is most important. So if you say, God is number one in my life. He's all my heart, all my soul, all my strength. But he's not in my budget. And now you can't see him anywhere when it comes to dollars. I got to question that. I got to question how much the love is truly there. Because even the expression goes, you put your money where your mouth is. You put your money where your mouth is. Let me show you how it works with God. God loved us so much. God loved us so much. We know John chapter three sixteen, the famous verse in Christianity that talks about how much God loved us. Help me out here. How much did God love us? God so loved the world that He gave. Right there, He gave. It doesn't say God so loved the world that He sang a nice song to tell the world how much they loved Him. He sang the best song ever. I love you so much. God didn't show us his love by singing a song. God did, it didn't say God loved the world so much that every Sunday from 9 to 11, maybe nine fifteen to 11, okay, he visited them and to show them every week how much he loved them. That's not how we show love. God so loved the world that he gave and he gave that which is most precious, his only begotten son so that we would have everlasting life. If you are trying to worship God without your wallet, I will challenge you and say it might not be the worship that you Think it is. A couple of verses, Old Testament and New Testament, so you see it both, so that you see that there's no discrepancy. Psalm 96, verse 7 through 9. It says, Give to the Lord of families of the peoples, give to the Lord glory and strength, give to the Lord the glory due to his name, bring an offering and come into his courts, worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. You see, the psalmist makes no distinction between giving and worshiping. The two are intertwined. Give him this, give him this, bring an offering, worship the Lord. The two are intertwined. There's no such thing as worship. Without offering, because the two are intertwined. St. Paul says it this way in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 7. He says, Since you excel in everything, in faith and speech and knowledge and complete earnestness and in love which you have kindled and we have kindled in you, see that you also excel in this grace of giving. St. Paul is saying, Look, faith be the best, love be the best, speech be the best, giving be the best. It's a part of our spiritual life, it's a part of the way we worship God. So as I said a minute ago. What I want to talk about now for the remaining time that we have together is the blessing and the benefit of giving. Not that if you don't, the curse that's going to come upon you. You know that. You've heard that before. But I want to talk about, like I said, like I would talk about prayer and say why it's to your advantage to pray. Why it's to your advantage that the one who's praying once a week, it's his advantage to pray twice a week. And one who's praying twice, it's your advantage to pray four times a week. And the one who says he goes to church once a month, it's your advantage to go twice a month. And the one who reads the Bible, you know, uh, uh, one verse a day, it's to your advantage maybe read a chapter a day. I'm going to tell you the same thing when it comes to giving. The one who's not giving, why it's to your advantage to give. The one who's giving little, why it's to your advantage to give more. Three things. We'll go through them quick. Number one, you may not think you need this, but trust me on this one. Giving combats materialism. Giving combats materialism. Very few people I have discovered view themselves as materialistic. Very rarely does someone say in confession, I have a problem with materialism. However, all of us look at the world in general and say it's very materialistic. So either we are somehow, there's a bubble around us that keeps the materialism from coming inside of us, or maybe we're not aware of the influence of materialism inside us. I'll be honest, I don't think it's an option to be not materialistic in this world that we live in. I don't think it's an option to be living in Arlington, Virginia, D.C. metropolitan area, year 2021, sipping on our Starbucks lattes, on our phone, in our, I don't think it's an option not to be materialistic. I think instead of hoping that we don't get invaded by materialism, I think what we need to do is have a set way in our life that we are combating it, that every week or every month or or whenever it is that we are on a regular basis combating materialism. Because I promise you it's inside all of you and I'll prove it to you right now. Let's do a little test right now. Let's say I told you today. You go home today and you discover, get an email from your boss or whatever from your your corporation that says, you are getting a $3,000 bonus this month or $4,000 or whatever, whatever's a big deal to you, okay? You're getting a $3,000 bonus, $4,000 bonus this month. What's your first thought of what you're gonna do with it? How many people, don't raise your hands, how many people said, yes, I can give more this month? The laughter indicates that no one thought that. What we all thought is, oh, that's great, because I was going to go on vacation, and I, I was going to pay for it, perfect, this will pay for our vacation. Or this is perfect because the car needed those repairs. Or this is perfect because the roof needs whatever. Or this is perfect because little junior needs new braces. Or this is perfect because you know we needed a, 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 a new car, whatever it is. That's our natural inclination. That's what materialism is. That's the textbook definition. Materialism is that whenever I get more, I think that it's to spend on myself and it's to get more stuff. And I think that if I have more, then I'll be better off. That's materialism. I'm telling you, it's all of us. That's why giving is so important. It's impossible for us not to be affected by materialism today. It's impossible for all of us not to think. Again, we know this maybe like deep inside, but let's be honest. It's impossible for all of us not to think right now in the moment that if I had blank, I'd be a little bit happier in life. If I had a little bit higher salary, or if I was able to buy this, or if I was able to finally save up and get this, all of us think that way. It's not bad. It's all of us. But you're smart enough to know that that simply isn't true. You know, if it were true, that if you had more stuff, you'd be happier. If that was a true statement, then you know that right now, you'd be the happiest you've ever been in life because you know that right now you have more stuff than you've ever had you know it you have an income and a salary for most of us that's higher than it's ever been and it's an income and a salary that at some point we said if i ever get to that point oh i'll be set if i get to that point point. and here we are at that point point. and what do we want that point so we know that's a lie we know that if I get more, it's not gonna make me happy. But my point is the world is constantly bombarding us with this message. So we have to be very intentional about fighting against it. St. Paul says it this way in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 17. Command those who are rich in this present age. that by the way, it would be us. Command those who are rich in this present age not to be haughty nor to trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God who gives us richly all things to enjoy. Let them do good that they be rich in good works, ready to give, willing to share. St. Paul says, tell the people that if they want true peace, they want true joy in life, that they have to approach life, not with this attitude, but with this attitude. You know, the word miserable comes from what word? Miser, because a miser is someone who's always grasping for more, holding on. Well, you know what I discovered? That if I'm holding on to stuff, and I'm holding on tightly, and then you wanna give me something, I'm not in a position to receive anything because my hands are closed tight. What I need to do is my hands are open, because that's the way you're going to receive blessing from God, and that's what God wants for all of us. And I'm telling you, this message is so important. It's so important, and you could see it even in like think to yourself, who who has an excuse to be the most materialistic people on the planet? Who has a valid excuse? Like we got no excuse. We're adults. But I would say our children, because we teach them to be materialistic by telling them that life is all about gifts and the more gifts and the Christmas and the birthday and all that stuff. Well, let me tell you a story. This story happened probably eight years ago when this church first started. You may have heard we do an event called Love Your City, which is once a month we go downtown okay, to D.C. and we just simply, like the name implies, we just love the city. So we just offer, you know, uh, whether it's hygiene kits or whether it's food or whatever it is, just a way of offering love with no strings attached. The very first time we did Love Your City, it wasn't like on a Saturday morning with a group of people. It was the whole church. And we used to do it um, around Christmas time. I think it was just after Christmas or just before Christmas. I don't really remember. But we used to, the whole church would go together. So we would pray the liturgy together and then we would all go. And I remember the very first time we did it, we said, we're all going to go and we're going to serve. And there was like four or five different projects. So we prayed liturgy and then we divvied up. So this group was going to go to like this women's shelter shelter and do whatever. This group was going to go to this school and clean up whatever. And then there was a group that was going to go downtown to feed the homeless. And that was the group that I was involved. So we finished the liturgy. And then we said, we're going to make sandwiches. and We're going to go distribute them. So as soon as we finished the liturgy, we went to one of these classrooms. Okay, somewhere over here. And I remember when I walked in that classroom, I walked in kind of late. Thank God there was no COVID at the time because it was like, like a small classroom that says capacity, like 20. And we probably put like 120 people in that room. Okay. And there was people everywhere and there was kids and there was adults. And it was just like, there was like assembly line. So you had bread flying around, salami on the ceiling, mustards being squirted. And it was just like chaos everywhere. And I don't deal well with the chaos. Like I can't, like I, like I, I can't. So I said, okay, I'm of no value here making the sandwiches. I'm good at eating, but not so much at the making of the sandwiches. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to do a service for all the people in this room. I said, all the kids come with me. I took all the little kids, and I said, "I'm just going to bring the kids out, okay? And I'm going to give you a Sunday school lesson." I really was just trying to get them out of the room so the parents could work and work efficiently. But I said, "Okay, you know what I mean? I'm the priest. Let me, you know, earn my salary for the day." So, so, okay, all the kids, and I brought them back in here and sit down, okay? And let's open the Bible, okay? And I'm going to teach them a little lesson. And and I'm just kind of talking to them about whatever. And of course, this kid, you know, is like giving a wet willy to this kid, and this kid is pushing this guy. And I'm like, just everyone sit down, everyone calm. And I'm talking to them about giving, and I'm asking them like you know, what does it mean to you what we're doing here today? And one girl, God bless this girl. One girl, who was nine years old at the time, said to me, Father Anthony, I forgot what I got for Christmas, but I will never forget what we're doing here today. Yeah, exactly. And I'm like, this is it. Like, this is what it's all about. That girl probably got like 30 different gifts for, for, for Christmas, okay? What with the batteries and what with the, the, the 30 different things. And she said, I'm going to forget all that. I'm gonna never forget this. And I'm like, this is the greatest moment of my life. And then another kid raised their hand. So I'm like, it's going to get even better. I'm like, Junior, what do you want to say? And the kid goes, I need to poop. I'm like, there's a very short-lived high, okay? But it, for that brief moment, I'm like, you got it. You got it. The kid got it. The kid got it that the world tells me I need toys. But I just realized something, Father Anthony. The toys don't make me as happy as what we're doing here today. And I think sometimes we as adults need to hear that message as well. So number one, giving combats materialism. Number two, giving is a wise investment. Giving is a wise investment. Now, I'm not going to... Uh, com- com- I'm saying anyway that I'm a wise investor. I know we got very savvy people right here who are very good at playing the stocks and the funds and the what like things like that. So, I don't know much about investment, but I know this. The goal is to get a return on the investment. So the goal is that I give a dollar and I get back a dollar and a nickel. That's a good investment. If I give you a dollar and then later on you give me a dollar and a nickel. If I give you a dollar and you give me back a dollar and a quarter, that's even better. The more money that I get back, the better it is, right? What would you say is a good percentage for investments these days? Good return on investment? 5%, 7%, 8%? What percentage are you looking for? My, All my portfolio is very simple. It's like 0.00001% is what I end up getting. But, oh, good, let's say 5%, 10%, 20%. Jesus, if I give to you, what percentage Jesus, what, what's in his... Uh, uh, what's that called? Prospectus. Okay. that Jesus says, this is what, my historical performance. Mark chapter 10, verse 29 and 30. Assuredly surely I say to you, there's no one who has left house or brothers or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or lands for my sake in the gospels who shall not receive a hundredfold now in this time and in the age to come eternal life. So he says two things. I got two kinds of return. The eternal one. Let's put that one on the shelf right now. Even the world agree in a second. That's pretty important. But let's just put that on the shelf. He says, now in this time, a hundredfold. You know what a hundredfold means? means, I said I give you a dollar, you give me back a dollar and a nickel. This is, I give you a dollar and you give me back how much? A hundred. That's a pretty good return on investment, is it not? If I told you today, like, come on. If I told you today, hey guys, anyone who gives me a dollar, I'll give you back a hundred in return. Are you kidding me? Like, is there anyone on the planet? Like, if someone were not to invest in that person, you would say that person is not smart. No, I'm going to stick my money in this mutual fund that gives me 5%. Why? If this one's giving 100%, like you are not smart. So the difference between being wise and being very not smart. If someone's giving 100% return, that gets my attention. So am I saying, you should be asking yourself, are you saying, Father, are you saying, Father Anthony, are you saying that if I give financially, that God will give me back financially and I'll be rich? Is that what you're saying? Say it this way. I'm going to say, number one, most important principle of life you will never outgive God. You will never outgive God. You will never outgive God. That's an important principle. Principle number two is the cheapest way that God gives to us is financial. The cheapest thing God gives to us is financial. So if I give, will God give me back financially? Maybe. I can never say no because He's God. Like I can't say no, God, like He's God. He can do whatever He wants. Absolutely, He can. But I want to tell you, The cheapest, the cheapest thing God gives back to us is financial. The cheapest. That's the monopoly money that goes away. But I think that without a shadow of a doubt, God will give, maybe financial, but maybe not financial, but maybe better. Because ask yourself, which one would you rather have? Would you rather have a new house with new stuff, a new furniture, a new whatever, would you rather have the same old house filled with the peace of God? Would you rather have a new car or a new marriage? New relationship with your father, new relationship with your son? Would you rather have shoes that last or joy that lasts? You get to choose. And some of you would say the two are the same, but maybe, maybe not. I've said this before, I've said this before. Listen carefully to me. If I put on one side of the scale, something called the blessing of God on this side of the scale, and on this side of the scale, I put a million dollars, a billion dollars, a trillion dollars, gold, silver, rubies, whatever it is. Put whatever you want on this side. And on this side is called the blessing of God. Only a fool would choose this side. Only a fool. A million out of a million times, you choose the blessing of God. You fight for the blessing of God. You do whatever it takes to get the blessing of God. Doesn't matter what's on the other side. Any pleasure, any enjoyment, any financial, if it costs you the blessing of God, you never, ever, ever make that poor choice. Because if all you want in the end is financial, forgive me, you are not a smart investor. That's the earthly. It says there in in age to come eternal life. I'm gonna show you a passage from 2 Corinthians chapter nine. It's kind of a long passage and it's kind of, a lot of run-on sentences, okay? But try to follow what St. Paul is saying. He's speaking to a group of people in Corinth who are very generous and he's thanking them and he's telling them why their generosity and their giving meant so much. This is what he says. He says, Now may he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food supply and multiply the seed you have sown and increase the fruits of your righteousness while you are enriched in everything with all for all liberality, which causes thanksgiving through us to God. So that's like a prayer he's starting off with saying, you guys have given very liberally or generously. And he's saying, may God bless you in return. And may he bless the seed that you have sown because something about your gift is causing thanksgiving to God. Goes on. He says, for the administration of this service, not only supplies the needs for the saints, but also is abounding through many, here's that same word again, many thanksgivings to God. While through the proof of this ministry, they glorify God for the obedience of your confession to the gospel of Christ. So again, he's saying what you guys did, you helped the poor, which was great, but also there's many more people who are thanking God for you and they're glorifying God because of your generosity. What is he talking about? Verse 14, for your liberal sharing with them and with all men and by their prayer for you who long for you because of the exceeding grace of God in you. St. Paul is saying, like, you guys are doing something that many people are saying, thank God for those people. So let me draw you a little picture right here. Make it, make, make it practical for you. One day, many, many, many years from now, okay? Many, many, many years, or maybe tomorrow. I don't know when it's gonna be. Sometime between tomorrow and many years from now, you're going to die, Okay? And you're going to walk into the kingdom of heaven. And imagine when you walk into the kingdom of heaven, and I picture it's going to be very crowded, lots of people up there. And you know when you walk into a party and you don't know anyone, it's kind of crowded and people are already talking, you don't want to interrupt. So you're kind of standing in the corner, just waiting for someone to come say hi to you. Okay, maybe looking for where the punch bowl is. I don't know what it's going to look like. I've never been there. You walk into heaven. And as soon as you walk in, someone's going to come to you and say, hey, you! You're going to be like, me? Be like, yeah, I've been waiting for you you been waiting for me? Yeah. And gonna say, you, 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 I'm here because of you. You're going to say like, excuse me, sir. Like what are you guys drinking up here? Like I never met you before. Like what's going on up here? And he says, look, you don't know me, but you contributed to that church at STSA church. You gave to them. You were part of the reason STSA did what it did. SCSA wouldn't have done what it did without you. You contributed to the building or you were tithing very faithfully for years or you gave that extra check when, when you had extra in your and you are the reason that I'm here because you know what? If it wasn't for that church, I wouldn't be here because that church saved my life. That church welcomed me in when no one else would welcome me in. That church taught me how to forgive my dad and I struggled with forgiving my dad for years and that church helped me. That church helped free me from my addiction. That church gave me everything I have in life and you're one of the reasons why it is what it is. That's why I say, look, look here. Be serious for a second here. We're not messing around here. We're talking about the church. We're not messing around. We're not just here because, hey, you know what? We like to gather on Sundays and the coffee's nice and like it's scary out there. That's not, that's not STSA. We're here, but we're bringing ancient faith to a modern world. Like we exist. We exist for the people we know. You know this, right? We exist for the people who aren't here now. You know that. We exist with the people who aren't here now. And you are appreciative of that because there was a time that you weren't here. And you were thankful that when you came here, you said, hey, I belong in this church. And this church cares about people who aren't here because I wasn't here and now they cared about me. Well, I'm saying, you know what? Now it's our turn to pass on the favor. And we are building something here that is changing lives and changing eternities. And when you give to that, I promise you, I promise you, if you know the truth in my heart, I promise you, you say, i never given a sermon. I never taught a lesson. Father Anthony, you're so great. You're up there. And you're, I promise you, you and I have the same reward. I promise you, I promise you. Because I couldn't do what I do unless you did what you did. And I'm talking about the people on the camera right now. I couldn't do, we couldn't do what we do without the people over there who are supporting us. And just to show you, just last week how God gave a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful reminder of this. Last week we had our groundbreaking ceremony. And many people were there. One things that we said, Okay, we do things at STA. Say we like to do things, energy and fun, and how we like to, to, to we bring it. Okay, we bring with the energy. So we said the kids make signs, because it'd be fun that the kids make signs. And I always wanted to feel like I'm walking into a stadium and noise and like woohoo, yeah, let like, go, oh, whatever it is. So the kids made signs, and there was a lot of cool signs. We love the church, and everyone made great signs. But there's one sign in particular that I had to take note of, and that is a, a lovely young lady. Her name is Jordan. Okay, she goes to the church out in Leesburg. Okay. The, the Leesburg location. And you may not be able to see it on the on the left one there, but on the right, you see what that sign says? It says STSA is the best church. Okay? And look the typos. That's why you know it wasn't for me that I didn't plant this, Because okay? the typos are gonna drive me crazy, but God bless her heart. STSA is the best church. I've done wrong. Look how she spelled wrong. <laughs> look how she spelled wrong. Look at that. Okay, wrong with no W is the cutest thing on the planet, okay? She said, I've done wrong things in my life. And here I am, the wrong here, and here I am with STSA. To be forgiven that's it like that's it that's it that's why we're here and i'm telling you if you are part of this church and you are contributing and you are supporting and you are helping build this church that's what you're building a place that teaches people this. That's what I'm saying is you never taught a Sunday school lesson in your life. You're never going to preach a sermon. You're never going to be able to do like the, 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 the plugging in of the projectors. You're never going to be able to, you know, do any of that stuff. But I'm telling you, if you are contributing and you are giving and you are sacrificing, then you are making a difference and you have just as much reward as anyone else in this church. St. Paul says it this way in Romans 12. He says, having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us. Let us use them. Man, if your gift is prophecy, prophesy in proportion to your faith. Ministry, use it in ministering. Teaches and teaching. Exhorts, exhortation. Gives with liberality, meaning generosity. He who leads with diligence, he who shows mercy with cheerfulness. Like, what's the problem, man? Like, let's go. We all got different gifts. I got gifts. I got stuff that you can't do. And you got stuff that I can't do. If you're able to teach, teach. If you're able to give, give. You're able to administration. Like, that's what makes the church the church. The church is going to have an impact. And the question is, what is your share in that and your inheritance in that? And that gets me actually to our third and our final reason that giving is so important because giving blesses me in heaven and on earth. Giving blesses me in heaven and on earth. Sometimes I meet with people and they tell me, Father Anthony, you know, I'm, I'm confused. I need direction in life. I don't know where I'm going. And I'm just, like, I really need God's voice. And oftentimes, and actually this is probably some of you, you know, i said this to you, say, you know what, um, are you praying? And they'll say, oh, you know, I'm praying, whatever. And I'll just say, are you reading the Bible? I'll say, and they'll say, yeah. And then I'll ask, are you giving? I'll say, Father Anthony, why are you ask about giving? <laughs> Simple. Because if you're not giving, and you're not sacrificing, and you have nothing to do in this area, you're denying the blessing of God in your own life. And, 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 and I'm going to go to my grave and say to this person, say to anyone right here, when you need God, like you always need God, but when you especially need God, you know what I'm talking about? Like when you're trying to make a decision, or when you're trying to figure something out, or you really need the blessing of God, like you can't afford not to give. Sometimes people tell me we can't afford to give now. We're in a financial situation. I say, you can't afford not to give, given what you're telling me, because you need the blessing of God. And that's where, remember, our core value is not called rational generosity. It's not called make sense generosity. It's irrational. And irrational says that, you know what? You give me $100 here. I am better off with 90 with the blessing of God than 100 on my own. 90 with the blessing of God is more valuable than the 100. I believe that with all my heart. And people will say, that's irrational. I say, that's exactly the point. i will give you some verses, Old Testament and New Testament. Proverbs 11:25. The generous soul will be made rich. The generous soul will be made rich. The generous soul will be made rich. He who waters will also be watered himself. St. Paul says in the New Testament, same principle. I want to show you both old and new. He who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. He who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. This is a principle of life. It's the law of sowing and reaping. You get what you give. So if you are a person who is very generous with criticism, then you will be criticized in return. If you are a person who is generous with negativity, you will always be in negative situations. If you are a person who is generous with encouragement, people will encourage you. Generous with niceness, people will be nice to you. If you are selfish and you keep to yourself that all I'm telling you, all you're doing is denying your own ability for God to bless you, and you're short-circuiting his plan in your life. So, how much blessing do you want? How much blessing do you want? And that's a question everyone needs to wrestle with. How much blessing? Again, do you want the pre-tax blessing or the post-tax blessing? And your giving should be in accordance. Now, you may be thinking to yourself, okay, wait a minute. Whenever we talk about giving, there's this whole idea of like prosperity gospel, that it's dangerous to kind of delve in that area. So you can, are you saying, Father Anthony, are you saying that God blesses me more if I give more? So like if I give $1,000, I get $1,000 blessing, $2,000, $2,000 blessing. Does the blessing of God increase as the giving increases? Well, yes and no. It depends how you define the giving increases. There's a famous story that everyone knows about the widow with the two mites. Lady who came back in the day, okay, at the temple. It's not like today where there's like a donation in the back and people just kind of put in this as a check and no one can tell. Back in the day, used to be like a big thing, a big show. There would be like the pot where people would come in. Think of like the Salvation Army pot guy, okay? Like, Like the bucket, Guy, okay, the, the, okay, so people would come in and they would stand in this long line and they'd have their flowing robes and be a lot of pomp and circumstance, and they would come in with their change, okay, because it was all coins, and they would start to dump it in there. And they would dump it in nice and slow. So everyone saw and they wanted to hear people hear cha-ching, 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 cha-ching. And then people would be like, Wow. And then the next guy comes in with even more pomp, and he comes in and very slowly, cha-ching, 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 cha-ching. And everyone's like, Wow. And then here comes this little old lady with her raggedy clothes and she comes in and it's ching, ching. And Jesus, while everyone else is like, Jesus says, everyone look at this lady. And they're like, we are looking at her. Everyone see what she gave. They're like, we saw, we all heard. Ching, ching, there was only two. And he said, this lady put in more than everyone else. And you're like, okay, Jesus. No, she didn't. Like I was there. Ching, 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 ching. ching. Versus one, two. Did she put in more? Answer this question inside. Did she put in more or less than the other people? Did she put in more? Well, it depends what you're measuring. If you're measuring the amount, maybe not. But if you're measuring the heart and the sacrifice, she absolutely put in more. And that's the key to this passage, okay? This is the first verse in that story, Mark chapter 12, verse 41. It says, Jesus sat opposite the treasury and saw how the people put money into the treasury. It says how, not how much. We look at how much, and we think God will bless based on how much. And I say, no, it's not about how much, it's about how. Said that another way, giving is about attitude, not amount. Giving is about attitude, not amount. Giving is not about the dollars and the cents, It's about the sacrifice and the heart and the love that is behind it. So what happened in this story? Here comes a woman with two pennies to her name and she's about to donate it. And let's be honest, if it's all of us, a lady comes in and says, I only have two pennies to my name. I would say, with all due respect, lady, don't give your money. You only got two pennies. Like we're trying to collect like millions of dollars so the two cents ain't gonna do as much good anyway. Keep your two pennies. Maybe here's another two for the bus ride home. Like don't give your money. But she says, no, I'm gonna give it. And she, follow me here, went overboard and irrationally gave. So what Jesus did, he did the same thing right back. He went overboard with her. She gave more than anybody. And he was irrational with her. She's better than all the rest. Because God doesn't need the money. And if that's what you are hearing, then you are missing the point. What God needs is the sacrifice and the heart of sacrifice, not the dollars practical. Let me finish practical right here. What do I want you to do with this? I thought of this. The hardest part about any sermon, but especially when you talk about giving, is what do you want people to do? What's the takeaway? And here's how I want to say this. I want to say there's three different kinds of people listening to this message and you each have a different takeaway. First, the easiest is if you are a guest and you are not a member of this church, then what I want you to do with this is absolutely nothing don't want you to come and, and feel obliged to give. You're certainly welcome to, but that's not the goal of this. In the same way that I invite you to my house for dinner, we don't charge you for the dinner. Okay, the dinner is free. We don't say, okay, everyone leave in the bucket. We don't do that. We invite you to our house. You leave, as soon as you leave, the family members, hey, who left the lights on again in the basement? Why are we, air condi- doors open, we're air conditioning the whole neighborhood once again. So we talk about money with family members, not with guests. So if you're a guest, we love having you here. Everything is free. Nobody charged when you came in. If they did charge you, you got bamboozled. No, the coffee is free. OK? The parking passes are free. everything is free. So if you're a guest, want nothing from you. If you are a family member who is not currently giving, or maybe giving very sporadically or very um, not sacrificially, then I will encourage you to start small. Start small. And the starting small, the starting point of giving, this is where I could get in some problems right here. The starting point of giving is tithing. Tithing means 10%. Why I'm emphasizing tithing is the starting point is because sometimes we look at it as the end point. Tithing is not the end point. It's not the goal. Tithing is the starting point because tithing was given to us in the Old Testament and it was given to us in the same way that in the Old Testament it said, thou shalt not murder. And Jesus came in the New Testament and said, murder, that's the baseline. But I'm telling you that actually what I wanted to say to you is do not be angry with your brother. Old Testament, no adultery. New Testament, don't even look, okay? Don't even think. That's the same way. As in the Old Testament, it was tithing. That's the starting point, not the end point. Malachi chapter three, verse eight and nine. You probably heard these verses before. Will a man rob God, yet you have robbed me. But what, But you say, in what way have we robbed you? In tithes and offerings, you are cursed with a curse, for you have robbed me, even this whole nation. Am I saying that if you don't tithe, you are robbing God? The answer is yes, that's exactly what I'm saying. And the reason I'm saying that is because that's what Malachi the prophet is saying, and that's what the word of God says. I'm not saying it for me, but I'm saying, let's try to understand why that would be. Okay, I'll give you, I'll give you two reasons why tithing is the baseline, not the end point. And tithing is where you should start. Well, there's like an earthly reason and a spiritual reason. From an earthly reason, just like logical, is if you're a member of a church, and that applies to any church, wherever it is that you, that you go to church, that church has certain expenses. So if you are receiving the benefits, then you should contribute to the expenses. It's very simple. And that's why, truthfully, in front of God, God knows that whenever I talk to people about money and people say they want to give right here, I always say, especially during this past, we've done a lot of fundraising, talking to people from all over. God knows. I tell every one of those people, You give first to your local church. And then anything you want to give on top of that, you're welcome to give right here. But you start by tithing to your local church and making sure that you are doing that duty. So that's the first. Okay, that's the Old Testament was the tithe, like from an earthly perspective in the Old Testament was the people gave the goats. You know what they they would do with the goats? The priest would eat it. Because the priest didn't own land and the priest didn't have jobs. So the people said we want them to handle the altar so we give a 10% of our livestock so that they can have food to eat for their family, et cetera, et cetera. But let's get to the spiritual because that's a lot more fun. What does it mean that God owns 100% and gives me 90% to live on? You may have heard that before. Tithing says that God owns 100% and I'm actually not giving the 10%. It all belongs to him. I'm just giving back what he's already given me. And you say to yourself, why would it, like... God didn't earn the money like I earned it. I worked hard. My brain, my hard work, my talents, like I work hard for my money. Parents, what would you do if you have a child, let's say a teenage child most likely wants to do it, and let's say you as a parent, you give your kid everything. And then you walk into your kid's room one day, and your kid says, No, get out, it's my room. You're not allowed in here. I beg your pardon. It's my room, you're not allowed in here, no touch. You can't. Excuse me? Like I make it very clear to my children all the time. They have nothing, nothing. I'm like your mother and I, we have jobs. So we have stuff and we let you use that stuff. But it's not yours, you didn't do nothing. I get worried sometimes we're like that bratty little teenage kid. No, it's mine. Why would God need my... Why? Get your own money, God. I worked hard. God says, I beg your pardon? You say, I'm smart. I worked hard. I'm very smart. I invented whatever. I did whatever. Okay, so God would say to you, did you know that that brain of yours, that one snap of my fingers, and that brain goes to pudding, right there. And you say, well, I did this when I was in school and I went to this school. And You know what God would say? You, like, let's, be, let's be fair. Let's make a distinction between I'm smart and I'm talented, and I got some lucky breaks in life. Because if we're honest, most of us who have a lot of success is because we were given a lot of success from a very young age. I'm not saying all of them, Some people know, but I'm saying most of us. Like, let's make a distinction between I'm great and I got lucky. If you don't know what I'm talking about, there was a movie called Trading Places. Did y'all see the movie Trading Places? Okay, remember this movie? If you haven't seen it, don't go watch it, okay? I heard about it in confession, okay? But the principle of the movie... The principle is very simple, that the one who says, look how smart I am, and I'm the great whatever, you put this guy in this circumstance, you put this guy in this circumstance, and things turn out much differently. So we're not going to be that bratty little kid that says, I own this, and God has no right. Think of it another way of like, you, uh, I own a restaurant, okay? I'm the owner, and I built it, and I paid for it, and then I hired you to be the manager, So I'm not there during the week. So you're the manager. So you walk around there and tell people, yeah, you go mop this and you clean this and change this. And you walk around like you, you're calling all the shots and that's great. And that's what I hired you to do. But then I show up and you're like, hey, get out of here, buddy. We don't need you in here. And you start telling, excuse me? Just because I hired you as the manager, don't think you're the owner. The owner, owner and the manager are very different positions. We are stewards. We are managers. We are not owners. Everything belongs to God. So if you're a guest, don't do anything. If you're new, Start small. Tithing is where you want to start. Now you say, that's even so big. I'll say, okay, fine. I'll let you, okay, 10%. I'll let you start at five. 4%, whatever it is. But then the third people I want to talk to is those who have started. I want you to challenge yourself to grow. Because what I discovered is giving is the one area where we never challenge ourselves to get past basic level. When we were young, we were taught, just say a short prayer. Just say our Father. And that's great. But then you were taught, you know what? Advance. Like you, you, like you, want, to, like you want to advance in that. And we were taught, okay, just read like one verse in the Bible. But then we advance. Well, I'm telling you, giving. We've done a disservice. We've done a disservice by not talking about giving in this way. Because we made people think that the baseline is all they can ever achieve. And I'm telling you, I told you all this before in front of you. I said that one of the things that I have made a commitment, my wife and I and my family, because we've seen the blessing of God, is that we made a commitment that we want to every year increase our tithing by 1%. That's our goal. We haven't been able to do it every single year. I'll be very frank, but we have been able to do it a lot. And I'm telling you, I do that not because I feel forced or not because anyone's going to come ask me, but I do that because I see the blessing. And I want to challenge you. If your prayer is here a year from now, try to get it to here. If your Bible is here, a year from now here. If your giving is here, challenge yourself. Don't be bare minimum Christian in any area because you will never outgive God. Last thing I'll say, Malachi chapter three, verse 10. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse that there may be food in my house and try me now in this. Try me now in this, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open for you the windows of heaven, and pour out for you such blessing that there will not be room enough to receive it. I always tell people, when I tell people to give, I always say, look, try it for three months. And actually, you know what? Let me say this right now. Let's go to the three-month challenge right here. Try it for three months. Anyone who is not giving, or anyone who is at a very minimum level, I'm challenging you to take a step. Try it for three months, and you have my word. If after those three months, you have not seen the blessing of God in your life, you come to me, give me the receipt, and I, you have my word, I will refund you the money. I am not joking. I'll pay it out of my own pocket. And you say, wow, that's pretty bold of you. Not really, because God, the king of heaven and earth, said that I'm gonna bless you. So you know, like FDIC insured? This is God insured, so that's a pretty safe bet, okay? That, that God is not gonna fall through on his promise. But I'm saying, in case you don't believe, I just made it easy, I gave you a safety net. Take the step of faith and see, what god does last thing i'm gonna say and this is really the last thing i know i've said like three four times last thing this is really the last thing i'm gonna say there's a prayer that we say in church that i'm gonna put here up on the screen you may have never heard this prayer because it happens early on in the church service in the matins and it's a prayer that we pray for those who are offering i pray this prayer every sunday and i promise you there are people in my mind that i'm remembering during this time people who i know have given so sacrificially so sacrificially, and they don't know that I'm praying for them, but I am praying for them. And I want you to see, are you in this prayer? This is what you are missing out on if you choose to ignore this area of giving. I'm just going to read the prayer. We say, remember, O Lord, the sacrifices, the offerings, and the thanksgiving of those who have offered to the honor and glory to your holy name. Receive them, O Lord, upon your holy rational altar of heaven as a sweet savor of incense before your greatness in the heavens. This is what I'm praying every Sunday. I hope your name is in this. Keeps going. As you receive the offerings of the righteous Abel, the sacrifice of our father Abraham, and the two mites of the widow, so also receive the thing offerings of your servants, those in abundance or those in scarcity, hidden or manifest. So again, it's not about the amount. I'm not saying bless the $1,000 guy more than the $100 guy. I'm saying bless each one based on what they offered and the heart that's behind it. And then watch what it says right here. Even those who desire to offer, Even those who desire to offer but have none, like the widow with the two mites who don't really have anything. Even them, Lord, those who have offered you these gifts this very day. Now watch what it says. Okay, this is the wise investor. Give them, Lord, the incorruptible instead of the corruptible. Give them the heavenly instead of the earthly, the eternal instead of the temporal. You put a dollar in the donation box. A dollar is corruptible. It is earthly, it is temporal. And what God does not give you a dollar back, He gives you something that is incorruptible, that won't die when you die. Something that is heavenly, that will last forever. or Sorry, that is heavenly, that is up there. And something that is eternal, that will last forever. And the final phrase. Their houses and their stores, fill them with every good thing. Surround them, O Lord, by the power of your holy angels and archangels as they remembered your holy name on earth. Remember them also, O Lord, in your kingdom and in this age to leave them not behind. I'm going to pray this prayer next Sunday and every single Sunday that I come here to church. Are you going to be in this prayer? Let's stand up together now and pray. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for your body and blood. Thank you for every blessing that you poured upon us and this church you gave us to be part of. Lord, we pray that you would change our hearts. Give us a true heart of sacrifice and help every one of us know where, this, where to begin with this and where you want us to go from here. Help us, Lord, to, to grow in our sacrifice to you, knowing, Lord, that we can never outgive you. We pray this in the name of your Son, with the prayers and intercessions of all your saints. Hear us as we pray, thankfully, our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. In Christ Jesus. Our Thank you so much for watching the message. We want to invite you one more time to partner with us in bringing our ancient faith to a modern world and donate any amount to morethanabuilding.org. Make sure to follow us on social media for real-time updates and even more inspiration during the rest of your week. I hope you have a wonderful week and enjoy the rest of your day.